What's up, guys? Zach here with the Zach Shanky Podcast. Super happy to be chatting with you today. If you didn't already, make sure to go and check out my other podcast, Bible Study with Zach. Um, I know, it's an original name, just like the Zach Shanky Podcast. I'm great with this stuff, guys. Um, <laughs> but go check it out. Oh, my gosh. I've gotten some some pretty great feedback uh, so far. And uh, looking forward to diving deep into some very controversial topics that are all contained in the Bible. It's all right there, as long as you understand. If you can, if you can learn to understand it, oh, it's a beautiful thing. It's, it's like a map. It's a map of life and the eternities combined. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. <laughs> so, go check that out. But, I actually want to talk to you today about investing what it means. Most people, when they hear the word investment, um, they think the first thing that typically pops into, at least what used to pop into my mind all the time when I hear investment was one of two things. Either number one, I'm thinking about like people that do like stocks and stuff and like they invest into these stocks and then they hope it comes out, um, a bigger number than they put in. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then the second thing that, that happens to, I think most people when they hear the word investment is they kind of <laughs> they kind of cringe a little bit their 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 uh, their butt clenches a little bit they're like ah I don't like the word investment like ah it sounds like a lot of money um, and I remember this used to be the case for me as well and even today even even nowadays when I hear the word sometimes I'm like what does it look like? What, what are we talking about? How much are we talking here? Because just the word investment doesn't, it has like this reputation of like a large sum of money. (laughs) Um, it's just interesting to me. That's all. But what I want to talk about with it is, is really more about investing smart. So I'm not talking about stocks and stuff. I'm talking about pretty much anything you spend your money on, making sure it is a worthwhile investment, like covering the grounds. Okay. I'll give you a quick example of this is like a perfect picture, perfect example of this, of a, of a good use of money and investing capabilities. And that is, um, my, my partner, Brian, he recently got a new vehicle on lease and, uh, he put so much thought into this guys. I'm very impressed by it. So, what he did is he's like, okay, look, I need a new car. Okay. Um, and so he's like, what are my options here? I can go get a loan, an auto loan for a car and then have a small monthly payment. I can just buy a car outright or I can lease, right? Those are, I mean, those are essentially the three things. Now me personally, when it comes to cars, the way I view a vehicle is it is a terrible investment. (laughs) Just generally speaking, it is not, no car is really worth it, in my opinion. Now, you could say it's a positive investment because, it, you know, it gives you the, the liberty and the freedom to travel from point A to point B. Look, I get, I get all that, okay? But in terms of actual dollars and a, retur- a monetary return on investment, a vehicle, I, I don't look at it as a cost, or, or I'm sorry, I don't look at it even as an investment, I look at it as a cost. It is straight up a cost. 
And uh, so for me, what I tend to do, because I know a thing or two about cars, is I will buy a used vehicle every time from the owner. Like, not at a used car lot, but I will go to owners that have a vehicle that they're trying to sell on Facebook Marketplace or something like that. And I go there, I check out the car, I find the problems, negotiate the price, I do take in consideration the repairs, so I have like a different number in my head. So for example, the last vehicle I bought, um, it was listed for uh, $5,300, and I, I talked him down to $4,500, but I knew in my mind, I knew that there was at least $1,000 worth of repairs. So in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, it's going to cost me $5,500, and I was just about right. It was about $1,000 of repairs to get the thing uh running very, very well. And uh, ta-da, now I have a working vehicle for 5,500 bucks. And to this day, I have not really had any issues with it. Okay. But that's because I know what to look for. I know what to listen for. Right. So I'm, I'm pretty good at that. But for most people that, that are not in that category of knowing what to look for and things like that, that haven't uh, done it a million times like I have, you know, you, you might not want to do that. You might not trust yourself with that. So, so Brian, his look at it was different than mine. So mine is that it's just a cost, right? And I'm like, eh, useless. <laughs> it's useless. Like I need a vehicle. So it's a necessary cost, but it is a cost. Brian's outlook was very smart, way smarter than mine. Okay. His outlook was, no, it is an investment. It's an investment for less taxes. What? I know. I didn't even think of this. It was genius. So, and I think it works the same here in the States as it does in Canada, but basically if you get a loan for a vehicle, the only thing that's tax, that's a tax write-off is the interest payments. If you buy a vehicle outright, um, it's not a tax write-off. And if, but if you lease every lease payment is a tax write-off. So now the whole thing can be written off your taxes. That is a huge benefit. The other benefit to leasing is, of course, you get a pretty freaking new vehicle compared to my piece of garbage vehicle that I tune up a little bit and then it's good to go. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's so different. It, what a different outlook and, and different take and beautiful way of looking at things. That is smart investing. Do you see what I'm saying? Okay, investing is huge. Man, Brian opened my eyes. I'll tell you what. Next time I need a vehicle, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> I know exactly what I'm doing. Um, I hope that doesn't happen for a long time because it's nice not having any kind of car payment. Uh, but if it does happen, I have, have a plan now, and it's a beautiful plan. So um, just, just amazing. That's the kind of thing that I'm thinking about when I think about investing is every time you are looking to spend some money Think about the smartest way to do it and take your time to come up with that. So not only did Brian do that, but he took his time, man. He went, he talked to this one guy and this one guy told him about the leasing thing and stuff. So he's like, okay, cool. He went to a few dealerships to find out what can they do in terms of a monthly payment for a lease. And they were giving him insane numbers. Now, could Brian afford those numbers? Yes, he could. Did he want to? No, because he's a smart investor, right? He's like, look, I can afford it. Just because I can afford it doesn't mean I have to pay it, right? Especially if I can shop around and find something better. And that he did. He took his time and he found a deal 
which was around the price point he was looking for. Uh, everything, everything was great. And uh, he's very happy with his new SUV. And uh, it looks great, guys, guys, by the way, just from the pictures. So super happy for him. I think it's a really, really brilliant way that he went about it. But other things are an investment. So um, I've, I've gone through quite a, quite a weird couple of years uh, throughout my divorce, including camping for six months. I ended up buying an RV. I ended up selling the RV. I ended up moving to a new place with zero furniture. I had nothing, not even, not a couch. I had no beds. Um, all we had were like sleeping bags because we were just camping, me and my kids. And, uh, so when I got a new place, I'm like, okay, let's get a TV. Let's get, <laughs> let's get some beds. Let's get a couch and a washer and dryer. Like, and I went through these things very systematically, slowly, and as smart as I can possibly be with it. Like I didn't just go for the cheapest thing. I also didn't just go for the most expensive thing. I went for the quality thing that I feel was going to last me a while, hence the word investment. Okay. So I really want to take the edge off of investment. It doesn't have to be a massive expense. It just has to be an expense that is worth the value. Okay. And that's, that's what it boils down to. So, um, I was going to go somewhere else with this. Let me think about a minute. Okay, right. So now when we talk about business and business investments, okay, even if we talk about business expenses, there needs to be some serious benefits to all of those decisions. And uh, my, this is why having a partner, by the way, at least one, but I would highly recommend a three-way partnership for anyone that's looking to start a business. There is just immense value in having three perspectives go into a decision instead of just one or two immense value insane amounts of value actually okay so this is where this i'll give you another example okay so we actually right now in business in prosperity movement we are in the phase of scaling our company and during that phase we expected to invest more money and we have. <laughs> so uh, my partners and I, we Brian Travis and I, we have been investing quite a bit. And this comes out of our, our, our cut. It's our, it's our direct money, right? Every time we make big investment decisions. And so we have hired a sales team. We have quadrupled the amount of ad spend that we used to be paying. I'm sorry, we've tripled. And in September, it'll officially be quadrupled. Okay. Um, we've done that. We have, um, paid for, did I say the sales team? I think I did. Uh, we're also paying for a software suite, um, that is going to help us not even right now, but it'll help us in the future. It's not even a huge help right now, but we know we're in the stage of investing back into the business like a lot. And so we're like, okay, we're going to do that. We're thinking. And then we also have we, we made a small mistake with our taxes, and so we owe a little bit of taxes. Really, guys, it's a tiny, itty-bitty bit, but we're taking that into consideration. It's still, for most people, it's a pretty considerable <laughs> cost. <laughs> taxes are not an investment. <laughs> um, and then we also are about to sponsor a bowling team. I know this sounds a little bit like, where did that come from? 
We have a member of our movement who is a pro bowler, and he has a tournament coming up, and he asked us to sponsor his team, and we are 100% willing, and what we're going to do is we have input on the shirt designs, and there's going to be a QR code that goes to a funnel and everything so people can actually learn about their sponsor in the right way. So we're looking at it like an investment. It's a different way of advertising, really. And so we have that expense coming up. Not to mention the sales team, not only was it a large upfront investment, but it's actually an ongoing investment per sale. So every sale, we make less money now. Okay? This is all, but it's all part of the plan. It's all part of the plan. And all of these decisions. So if I go to a real example, the software suite that we're not even going to really use right away. It was pitched to me and Brian from Travis. Okay, Travis is like, guys, I, I got in touch with this people, this thing I think could really help us in the future. Um, I talked to them and I'm ready to, to pay it. Like we should totally pay it. And um, he told us the amount is not a small amount. It's a large amount. And he's like, let's just do it. <laughs> and so I'm like, yeah, we're going to need a lot more information than that. So he's like, perfect. So he sent over an email with a million links to a million videos and I watched all of them within a couple of hours, just on 2x speed, just to get the gist, the overall major gist of the whole thing. And lo and behold, I'm, I saw the value, right? And I'm like, okay, yeah, I think this looks great. How can we, what can we do to actually pay for it? So we kind of had a plan in order to pay for it like next day. But if we did that, there was a certain level of risk with that because that would actually take away from some other things and that would kind of be putting faith that we would have the sales to make up for it. <laughs> and so this is where like I need checks. I need check because it's my idea to let's just pay for it right now. Let's figure it out later. And uh, Brian was like, I don't think that's the wisest decision we could make. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, you know, like I'm not, you know, I'm not like stubborn. I'm like, cool. I, I, I agree with you. You know, why don't you talk to Travis? And, uh, and see what he says. So Brian goes and talks to Travis, and Travis is like, oh, thank goodness, because I had the same thought. <laughs> it's like, it's so good to have a three-way partnership where people can check each other's decisions and, like, talk some sense into each other. Uh, very, very important, you guys. Very important. So if you ever start a business venture, which I do recommend for everyone, is part of your diversified portfolio, you should have a business. Um, but whenever you do start a business, don't do it alone. It's silly. It's really silly. If you have to, I would look into your own skill sets and find someone that complements those. So for me, my skill sets, I've, I've got like, I don't know, what I call hard skill sets or soft skill sets. So my hard skill sets are things like copywriting, uh, media buying, which is like Facebook advertising, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. No, I'm just kidding. I got, I got a lot of tech skill sets as well when it comes to getting tech to work right. Um, so that's all part of that. Um, I'm not good at design. I mean, I can design a page, but it's not great, <laughs> right? There's, there's way better people out there than me for that. Um, I'm not good at quite a few things, but those are the hard skill sets. I'm not even talking about those. I want you to think about your soft skill sets such as leadership, management, okay? These are things that aren't necessarily on paper, right? Like my copywriting skill set, you can see 
with my copywriting. Okay, design a designer's skill set you can see with their design. I'm talking about the stuff you can't see, like a management style, a leadership style, those kinds of things. So what I would look at for you, I would read the book Rocket Fuel. Okay, if you're looking to start a business, like this is serious. This is like, if I had known this, I got lucky. I got so lucky with this. But read a book called Rocket Fuel and identify yourself as either the visionary or the integrator and be honest with yourself here. Be super honest. Listen to me because I am an integrator. I am not the visionary. Everyone wants to be the visionary. They love the thought of just saying the idea and then having the team go to work for you, okay? That sounds so great, but you have to be honest with yourself. Are you more the visionary or are you more the integrator? The integrator is essentially the manager in charge of everything and making it all work together, okay? That is me. That's what I did in engineering the entire time. I was just integrating stuff, coordinating between electricians, the, the, the corporate goofy heads, um, the software engineers, and the, the maintenance people and the actual like plant workers, the, the, the people running the machinery. I had to coordinate with all of those folks in order to make a project successful. That's management. That's an integrator. That's beautiful. It is a huge skill set to have. You are in very high demand if that is your skill set, by the way. Okay? A visionary, on the other hand, is like, think like Steve Jobs, um, even Bill Gates, um, uh, uh, Elon Musk, uh, Jeff Bezos. These are all visionaries. Now, visionaries, they have this particular vision, and they're always... uh, they're always looking to make the vision bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And that, that drive that they have on that vision helps to drive the rest of the team. And it's, it's inspiring. Now, does this mean that the integrator never has visions for the company? No, that's not what it means at all. Does that mean that the visionary never has to put, you know, get his, get his hands dirty and start doing some work? No. Are you kidding me? Brian does a ton of other stuff. Maybe not recently. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> he actually recently in our other podcast, the Prosperity You podcast, he said he only worked three hours that week. So that's why I made that joke. So <laughs> he will admit it. He hasn't been working a lot lately. But but he does do a lot of other things. Things that you don't see. Things in the background. Okay? And um, anyway, so visionaries do still do work. And integrators do still have ideas and visions for the company. And part of the visionary's task is to listen and be open to those ideas. And you as the integrator, it is your task to listen and and hear the ideas of the visionary to see what is realistic and what is reasonable or what is not really reasonable at this time. Okay? And all of that works hand in hand. It is a perfect team. So if you read the book Rocket Fuel, which describes the two different people very, very, in a lot of detail, identify which one you are, and then find a partner who is the other one. And embrace it. I'm the integrator, and I love being the integrator. I cannot tell you how much I love that. And a lot of that has to do with, um, I very much enjoy coordinating projects, Like I do. To me, it's almost like a form of art, right? You think about like musicians and and like 
literal artists, <laughs> right? <It's> like <laughs> they they put their creativity into their their music, right, or into their painting, or whatever it might be. That's that's their way of expressing themselves. As an integrator, honestly, I view all the management details and coordinating and putting out fires and then preventing the fires from happening in the future and figuring out processes and solutions to overcome all of those things. I see that as my form of art. Okay? I see that as my form of creativity. And I'm really good at it. I'm really good at it. There's things that sometimes... Like, my business partners don't even know all the things that go into this this stuff, which is fine. It's not their job to know. Sometimes they find out later and they're like, wait, what? Like, in a good way. This is a, this is a good, wait, what? So, for example, uh, recently there has been a law put into place, this was at the beginning of July, about text message marketing, where what kind of text messages you can send, you have to actually be approved by the different carriers, so by Verizon and AT&T and T-Mobile and all these carriers, you have to be approved as a text messaging marketing brand in order to, to text. Otherwise, your text won't work. And so I had I went through and I made sure all of that was done and approved before July, right? And my business partners had no idea that that was even a thing. And then there was a point in time where I was like, hey, look at this, guys, we're approved. And they're like, wait, what? What? <laughs> Wait, you had to do that? (laughs) You know, because it's not their job to worry about those particular things. As the integrator, it is your job to make sure your other partners can focus on what they need to focus on. That is your job. It is your burden. Part of the book, it says, uh, it it describes a visionary. And then it says, "If if you are a visionary, know thyself and be free. Right? So it's like this freeing feeling like, oh, yes, I'm an integrator. And then there's another part where they describe, or, oh, yes, I'm a visionary. Sorry, messed that up. But there's another part where they describe the integrator. And they go, if this sounds like you, you're an integrator, know thyself and be stressed. <laughs> I always found that to be super funny because it is so true. Um, <laughs> an integrator role is a little more stressful. But I promise you, it is so fulfilling. It is the most fulfilling feeling in the world to have things work out, to have your solutions be implemented by a team and to see it give an actual monetary benefit to the business. It's huge. It's huge. There's just no better feeling than that. Okay. Um, Anyways, I don't know how I got into here, but investments, smart investments, have a partnership in order to, to make those investments smarter. Um, if you're, if you're looking at like life investments, like getting a new couch or getting a new TV or whatever kind of thing it is, or a new car with the least thing, talk to your spouse about it. They should be your, your quote unquote partner in life. Right. And, and they really, what's really important for a spouse to understand is the, um, you need to be on the same page in terms of taxes, especially and this is the, this is just one really quick note here, and then I'll end this podcast here today. But um, it's just interesting to me some people's perspective, and I've I've seen this perspective 
come across mostly in women, and, and I I'm, I'm promise you, I'm not like trying to be sexist here. It's just a pattern I've noticed, and some of you women listening, you'll probably understand. You'll probably be like, "Oh yeah, I get it." <laughs> so, us guys, what we want to do is we want to have as much money that we earned as possible, which means as little taxes as possible. Can we agree on that? Can we agree that when it comes to being a steward of your money? You are a better steward than the government. Can we say that? Is that, can we like, if we can all agree with that, male and female alike, then the next part is going to make a lot more sense. Every time you take the family out to eat, that can be a tax write-off. Every single time you take the family on a mini staycation or vacation, that's the entire thing is a write-off. Getting a new family vehicle and doing it through the lease, that's a new family write-off, okay? The problem that I have seen in husband and wife scenarios is that the husband's like, hey, that sounds great to me. Less money I have to pay in taxes, the better. And the wife looks at it like, you're using our family. You're using them. You're using them for monetary benefit. Ugh so frustrating guys yes yes i am yeah is there a problem with that is there like if the goal is to give the government less money and in order to hit that goal i have to take some pictures for every family outing not only do we get memories but i can use that as proof of the outing to the irs is that bad is that actually a bad use of your family's time no, right? It's almost the same as like, you know, you go on a family outing and you take pictures and you post it on your social media account and you say something like, look at this guys, we're on family vacation and it's a Wednesday and we just decided to up and leave and that kind of freedom is only done because of prosperity movement. I'm so grateful. That is a post, by the way, um, for promotional purposes. It is displaying a lifestyle that other people are dreaming of. It is a way to market. And millions of people and companies do that. Okay? It is totally okay and acceptable. It's just interesting to me that all of a sudden when we start talking about tax write-offs, that all of a sudden we're using our family and we're using our kids for financial benefit. What's? There's nothing wrong with that. The only problem that that becomes a problem is if you're like, doing a vlog and your kid is the one your kid and their personality is the one getting all the views and the subscribers and stuff and even that is questionable whether that's bad right i think fame for a young mind is bad and i think that we've had plenty of externally verifiable evidence that supports that but that's not what we're talking about here we're simply talking about a way where every time we spend money as much as possible it's a tax write-off as much as humanly possible. As long as we can do that, I think everyone should be on the same page there. So husbands and wives talk to each other. You got to talk about this. It's important. And if ultimately you'd rather pay the government, than take pictures and use quote unquote, use your family as a tax write-off. Um, okay, then I think that there's some serious perspective that needs to change. Because that to me sounds a little bit more like ego than anything. Like really, I, I just don't, I don't get it. And, and I'm saying this, by the way, from, from experience with my own ex-wife. 
All right, so <laughs> listen, guys. <laughs> Every time I go on a date, even as long as I talk about my business at some point during the meal, it's tax write-off, <laughs> and that there's nothing wrong with that. That is literally the law. Like that is actually the tax code being put in there for your benefit as a business owner. The government, well, the good guys in the government, they want you to have a business because businesses run the economy. Businesses really are what run the, the whole darn country. And so they give you, purposely give you, I, these, these loopholes in the tax code, they're not even loopholes. They're literally part of the law that allow you to get out of taxes as much as possible as a business. They do that to encourage people to have businesses. That's literally the purpose behind it. And uh, if you're not taking full advantage of the tax code in order to maximize your own income, then you're actually doing it wrong, okay? Um, And yes, that means sometimes taking pictures and hanging out with family and you just got to mention, talk about business for one sentence of the evening in order to qualify. Like, I think that's, I think that is a very acceptable trade-off. Um... Anyway, all right, enough about that. Guys, have a great day. Invest wisely. Uh, Get partners that help you out. And I love you all. Talk to you later.